Having everything in one place is a must with direct integrations to carriers, load boards, and capacity tools. The Thai TMS software sets up brokers like you to potentially save 11 hours per week by finding load coverage 70% faster than other TMS systems. Tie it all together with the Thai TMS software. Sign up for a free demo now. And welcome to Put That Coffee Down, the freight sales show for closers. My name is Kevin Hill. I'm your host today. We have 26 exciting minutes coming up here at noon Eastern time here on FreightWaves TV. We have a special guest from Vorstar Alliance, Emmanuel Petrasco. Uh, talking about how the, you know, how the pandemic has has altered how we prospect, how we go out and, and make sales through this new world. So we're going to get to him in just uh, a few minutes, but we're going to start it off right now with some market news. You know, the, the market's turning. We're seeing spot rates come down. What is shipper behavior and we're going to look into that this is a golden oldie one of our fr- first freight uh, research projects here at freight waves back in fall of 2019 we did the survey you can see it up on the screen right now <clears throat> and it was all about a, a turning market so this first graph up here how far do spot rates need to fall below contract rates before you start moving loads to the spot market this was to shippers and you know, if you take a look at this, we are about 25% down from the highs uh, that we saw, you know, January, February uh, of this year, or the latest highs, I should say. And by the time you get to 20, 25%, just about everybody, about 90% of all shippers have started moving some portion of their freight to the spot market as part of cost savings. So if we go to the second, the, the second chart here, so how long? How long do spot rates need to stay at these depressed levels before you start moving some of your loads into the spot market? <clears throat> so immediately, like if you take in March, you know, people are looking for trends, long-term trends, not a blip in the market before they take the exercise, take the resources, time and energy to, to really look at moving, you know, maybe doing some shorter duration bids you know, moving some of that, that freight that's traditionally contract, seeing tender rejections fall dramatically. Uh, so if we can throw that back up again, guys, or go, go back right there, perfect. So we're looking at one to three months. So one to three months, about 50% of shippers have moved some part of, though they're starting to move, though they're starting to, to rebid, though they're starting to work on their contracted lanes, whether they're moving that into the spot market or rebidding, and, you know, by the time you get to, to four to six months down the road, then, you know, 85% of shippers have moved a portion of that to the spot market. We go to the next graph, you know, how much do you move ship, shippers' movement to the spot market? How much of their freight? And it's about a third, just, just under a third, about 30%. So three out of every 10 loads are, you know, after about three months of 25% drop in the market, you are going to see about, you know, almost a third of freight from shippers start easing the way either back into the spot market or you're going to see shorter term bids. You're going to see a lot of rebidding, right? Because the market uh, has shown not to be a blip. It's a trend. 
and it's uh, kind of the, the new state of the, the the market, and that's what we're kind of seeing right now. We're, we're knocking on the door. I think we're probably 60 days in right now to uh, the, the spot market going down. You know, that 25% right now. So we're about 60 days in. So we're really going to see some movement in May. I think. I, I think if if spot rates rejections load volume set these levels uh, over the next 30 days, we're going to see a, a lot of movement back into the spot market by shippers. And you're probably going to get a lot of calls from your customers wanting to, to renegotiate whatever rates you have in place. So be prepared for that. You know, it's, it's a cyclical nature of trucking. So you have to, to ride the waves, just like here at Freight Waves, you get to ride the waves. And, you know, there, there's, there's tight markets, there's loose markets. And you have to, to be prepared to sell through both of those, right? Uh, both of those where just getting a truck is the most valuable thing you can do to, uh, you know, situations like what we'll probably go through in 2022 for the remainder of the year, where finding that truck loses its value, right? It is about different services that you can offer. And with that, I'd like to welcome our guest to the show right now. Emmanuel, he's the director of sales or logistics and sales manager over at Varstar at Alliance. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Kevin. Good morning. Good morning to you. Where are you based out of? Michigan? Wayne, Michigan. Wayne, Michigan. Nice. That's nice. We're major. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that is nice. Uh, there's the Midwest, you know, Michigan freight brokerages are, are always great. Always great to hear from you guys. So um, we want to talk about how sales has changed through the pandemic. You know, you have a pre-pandemic world. We are living hopefully in a post-pandemic world uh, right now. Hopefully it is post. We we can say that it's a post-pandemic world. And I I kind of want to see, get your take on what changes you've seen when it comes to to freight brokerage sales, uh, you know, especially prospecting, but throughout the entire sales cycle. Yeah. So um, in order to uh, talk about sales, you got to know what you're selling. Uh, Just some backstory about us. Uh, Varstar Alliance is a transportation and logistics company. We're based in Wayne, Michigan. It's one of our main terminals. Uh, We were founded in 2018 by our parent company, Folger Transport. And then Folger Transport and our sister company, USA Folger Transport, operate as our asset divisions. And they run all their freight operations through us. So kind of operate as a uh, hybrid of sorts. Um, with regard to how you know sales changed during the pandemic, uh, and you know in a hopefully a post-pandemic uh, world, uh, we saw that a lot of teams were broken up initially. You know that first when the lockdowns hit, a lot of companies went into uh, the work from home or remote strategy, um, where people were working from home. So the teams were broken up. Um, people weren't able to you know manage, organize. Um, you know, exchange information in person like they were before. And uh, you kind of had a learning curve with everyone, you know, effectively being forced to work from home. Uh, They had to get comfortable with using technology instead of, you know, working face-to-face, organizing face-to-face, planning face-to-face. So, um, you know, people had to get accustomed to using Zoom, Google meetings, group chats. You know, we went from organizing ourselves, meeting every single day in person to having to work over email and over Zoom. Um, and uh, that effectively made prospecting a lot more difficult and uh, making sales difficult because before you could work together, uh, you know, in person rather than have technology as sort of a barrier. You know, you had to learn how to use Zoom 
uh, took a little bit for everyone to get comfortable using it. And, uh, and that doesn't go just for the sales team side. That also goes for the companies that we were reaching out to. Uh, they also had the same learning curve they had to get used to and get accustomed to. Um, so, yeah, um, little to no office access, you know, um, equipment. You know, some people didn't have access to their office phones or their desktops, you know, or if they did have computers at home. Um, just working from home was a learning curve. You had to find a happy medium between work life and uh, your professional life, remaining professional, being able to work with the group. Uh, generating leads and prospecting became more difficult just because making that initial point of contact uh, became more difficult since people didn't have access to their offices or they weren't in their offices. So it was a lot harder to reach out. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that, right? Because everyone seems to be in a flexible work environment still. And that's one of the, the sticky parts of the pandemic that I think will continue to some degree. So we're used to, to be able to, to let's co-call, right? To, to get in touch with people. To, to call a number, right, a main number, a business number, and ask around, see who we, we should speak to or have a direct line to, to a prospect or even to a customer uh, a lot of times. That's not necessarily the case anymore. With flexible work environments, uh, you know, if it's 100% remote to 25% remote, they're not always there in the office. So how do you really get in touch with people who aren't at their office number? You know, a, a lot of companies now are switching off telephones and everyone's just using their personal personal cell phone anyway. Yeah. So again, that was probably one of the biggest, um, I guess, disadvantages initially that we found, you know, working from home, people were cut off from their phones or at least their office phones. You know, not everybody has their office phone connected to their cell phones. Um, you know, and uh, what we found was a lot of companies were actually using Zoom as a switchboard. Uh, so before, you know, you'd call that main number and then you'd get redirected to the right person. Uh, now, it was heavily reliant on people knowing how to use Zoom and then having their computers on. Um, so a couple call, uh, excuse me, a couple times, what happened was uh, we would reach out and the operator operator would explain, "Hey, look, we're using Zoom. I can transfer you." If they'll answer, I'm not sure because it's heavily dependent on them having their computers on, mm-hmm. knowing how to use them. You know, so you know, I had one one particular example was that I reached out to a um, a contact, uh, a lead I had, a prospect, and. Uh, the operator told me, I'll try to transfer you, but just so you know, their computer's been off for about three months. So there's like little to no chance that you'll end up getting in contact with them. Yeah, so, th- and that was a pretty popular trend, uh, you know, especially for all 2020, for the better part of 2021. And even now we're still seeing that happening uh, because people are still getting accustomed. People are still getting used to it. While it might be, I guess, the new normal for some people, uh, there are still a lot of individuals and companies that are still getting to the point of being accustomed and getting used to this, you know, working remotely use the technology. So this really pushed us to um, move away from making cold calls. Uh, if we were seeing like a five to 10% return on time and investment in, turn of, in terms of making that initial point of contact with a cold call before the pandemic, now we're seeing like a one to 2%. You know, so out of like a hundred phone calls you're making, maybe you're mm. getting in contact with one or two people. And even then, like that's just the initial point of contact when you got to maintain contact and follow up. So that was very difficult. Um, yeah, it was just cold calling as a whole has been returning uh, less of a yield, like yielding less of a return, uh, you know, because people are moving to this new, just like you said, they're using their cell phones more. Uh, there's a push to use the emails more. And this meant we had to figure out a different way of reaching people. Uh, we kind of had to come up with a new strategy, you know, it became very ineffective for us to cold call. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that's- so... And that's just interesting, right? Because challenges create opportunities, and it's what you do with those challenges that, that really d- define 
where you go in your success. You can't do anything about the challenges. You, you can't take the pandemic away. You can't, you can't change the world, right? All you can do is change your strategy. Uh, one of the, the positives that, that I think have come through Zoom and, and video meetings, though, is that all of this, all, all the cold calls that, that you're just doing on the phone, you're, you're developing a relationship squarely over the phone. Now, once you get to that relationship part or that talking part, you can do face-to-face -face meetings. I, I think in 2019, certainly in 2018, hardly anyone ever turned on a camera. You know, it was, um, it just wasn't done for, for whatever reason. We just didn't use cameras at all. And now, I, 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 some, somewhat rude if you don't, right? Um, yeah. You know, it's just natural now, at least for me. I don't know if it's, it's that way for everybody, but you just turn on the camera and everything's face-to-face. -face. It's virtual, but it's face-to-face. -face. But a lot of times, you know, I've, I've had a lot of customers throughout my lifetime, especially in freight brokers, I've, I've never met. I've never seen who these people are. Uh, but but now you, you get, it, once you get to that point, you can develop that face-to-face -face relationship no matter where you are. You don't have to book a trip anywhere necessarily, right? You can you can at least uh, build part of that relationship face-to-face. -face. Now, if we, we go back to the challenges, right? The cold calling, you have to set yourself up, you got to go prospect somehow. So how, what are you relying on more now? So um, again, before, you know, cold calling was difficult prior to the pandemic, just as a whole, a lot of times hard to reach someone. Pandemic made it even more difficult, just making that initial point of contact and building a relationship. So uh, we've started uh, relying heavily on social media and emails as our main strategy of making that initial point of contact and maintaining a relationship. Uh, we found that building a connection with individuals prior to reaching out is a, you know, yielding a lot more success in terms of just getting that initial point of contact rather than uh, just reaching out over a cold call. So our strategy is mainly just you know, connecting first, actively engaging prospects, uh, you know, forming some kind of familiarity between us and the person we're reaching out to before we reach out initially. You know, whereas with the cold call, you reach out, you were just, you know, a phone number mm -hmm. on a screen, no name, most times, uh, no picture, no identity, you know, and that already is like a very big uh, gap that you've got to get over when you make a, you know, phone call or a cold call. Here, you know, we're trying to interact before reaching out to someone. Uh, and we found that people are much more willing to respond when they've had some sort of engagement with you prior to, so, so you know, reaching out. Yeah, so so I mean, you're, you're talking about uh, reaching out engagement. Can can you describe that? I mean, what, what's what's worked best for you? So, for example, uh, link, using LinkedIn and sales navigators, LinkedIn in particular, building a connection, building a network, building a circle. You know, if you will, joining the same groups, uh, having similar connections, and uh, again, building that familiarity. You know, when someone looks at a profile or, uh, you know, when we reach out after we've already engaged, we make sure to have a period of engagement before. Uh, once you've engaged with that person. They've got a, a, you know, a name. They've got a picture they can go to. They can click on a profile and go right to it and see, you know, this is a living, breathing human being. It's not just a phone number. Um, and again, that's bridging the gap of the unknown. Uh, it's bringing familiarity. Uh, it also allows for greater transparency between us and the customers we want to reach out to. You know, we have an identity now, and then it's easier for us to view the customers and them to view us as well. And we found about a 50 to 60 percent success rate in terms of getting an initial point of contact using the strategy of building a circle building a network, uh, being in the same groups, engaging with the contact in some form or way or like with the prospect prior to making that initial outreach, that initial sales pitch of reaching out, presenting our services, presenting who we are mm -hmm. and uh, seeking to get onboarded with them. Uh, Have you guys created you know, any groups yourselves? 
Excuse me? Have you created any groups yourselves? At this point, no. I mean, internally we have, but like on LinkedIn, not yet. We just join a lot of groups. We participate. We try to engage, especially with the prospects and the, the leads we've got. That's mm-hmm. who we try to maintain a close relationship with. Um, and, you know, what that's resulted in uh, that we've seen over like the last eight months, for example, when we do get to the point of RFQ or RFI, all right, and we start mm-hmm. the onboarding process and we go to these meetings where we're in the Zoom meetings, because we've built a relationship with, you know, one, two or three people already, they do the presenting for us. Like we walk in and they already know who we are. Uh, when we start the meeting, it's more informational meeting on what they do and uh, how we can further integrate with them. It's not so much us presenting ourselves because we spend the time building the connection, building the network and, uh, you know, establishing that familiarity with who we are and uh, what we do. You know, so that's really important, you know, as a prospecting strategy versus making cold call initially where it was just a lot of cold calling, a lot of um, initial presentation. Now there's a face, there's an identity, there's familiarity because we've built a network and we're building a network and building relationships with the prospects that we reach out to. Do you wish um, you started doing this earlier, even even pre-pandemic? Do you find the yield oh, yeah. higher than, than cold calling and it's just more effective? Yeah, so I'm seeing, so again, like I said, uh, we're getting about a 50 to 60% return on, and you know, on like our outreach. So for example, yesterday I had uh, one of the agents uh, that's part of my team. They have spent the last three weeks uh, building, uh, you know, contact, engaging some of the prospects that they had. And of the 11 outreaches they did yesterday, they received six initial contact back, mm-hmm. two of which you know, said, hey, you know, follow up with us at a later time, four of which gave them their emails and said, hey, reach out to us. We want this information again. And then one of them submitted a rate request sheet. So we're already on track just from those 11 uh, with four of them. We're in the works of getting on board. And one of them is, you know, we're in the process of submitting rates, whereas before, you, you know, you're getting a five to 10% success rate. And from there, a lot of times you're getting turned down or told, hey, wait for a later time. So we're seeing a lot more success in getting from the initial point of contact to onboarding. Do you think, um, you know, Asians, employees, you know, freight brokers in general, do you think they, they, they're more, much more accepting of this, this method of prospecting? Do you think they enjoy oh, yeah. it much more than, than cold calling? Because I know what I do, right? I, I, I know I do. It's like a little game with me, cold calling, while I do it, it's it's just not always that enjoyable, right? There's only so many times you can get your your, your teeth kicked in uh, each right. day, right? I mean, it works, um, but I find it much more enjoyable, much more of a game. I, I can gamify uh, reaching out on, on social media and interacting with people and kind of not, not really sliding in, but, you know, having genuine conversations instead of <clears throat> always pitching. Right. And so, then, you know, we found be the case. <laughs> yeah, that is much more accepting, much more uh, buy-in across the board for prospecting with these methods rather than uh, picking up the phone a hundred times a day. Yep. Great. I and you know and and I, I guess it goes back into building a culture of prospecting. It's much easier to build a, a, a culture of prospecting throughout your organization uh, through this type of, of of engagement, right, on social media rather than, you know, having a, a ton of leads to call each and every day. Yeah. So building or instilling that culture of prospecting, it starts a lot with um, support, you know, so we support our agents, our team members, and that goes from the top down as well. Our administrators are always reaching out, making sure that the team has, you know, the right equipment, uh, the right software, you know, that the, we're happy with the tools that we're using to prospect uh, regularly, you know, uh, you know, the 
administrators of Barstool reach out, make sure the team's satisfied. They have us uh, join the meetings and calls for, you know, new tools that they're considering adding on to like our available tools and uh, software that we can use to better prospect, to better uh, ourselves in terms of making sales. So regularly supporting the team, uh, you know, with infrastructure. And also uh, we have like a social support system as well. We have a very... Um, no shame policy where if someone needs help reaching out or is a little stuck with following up or something like that, we make sure the whole team comes together as best as we can. Because again, some people are still working remotely. Uh, we come together to figure out how can we move forward? How can we help each other out? Because uh, that's part of, you know, keeping everyone motivated to continue uh, prospecting and also building the mindset that we need to grow. You know, Barstar wants to grow. We want to establish ourselves as a reputable and trustable uh, transportation company and service provider in the industry. So uh, we got to build the mindset that we need to grow in order to establish ourselves. And honestly, probably the best ingredient in, uh, in you know, establishing this uh, prospecting <clears throat> mentality and culture in the team and the team as a whole is a uh, the results from the process, you know, that's the ultimate ingredient because when you're getting results, you know, just like you said, whereas before cold calling was a lot harder, a lot more difficult, less personable. Now, because we're using social media and using Zoom, you know, it becomes much more personable, much easier to connect with people and then much easier to get a response and move forward. So that's really helping motivate not just our team, but, you know, the other teams in Barstar as well, uh, grow as a whole and uh, continue wanting to grow and prospecting and uh, looking to acquire new customers. Is it more difficult to, to tie activity into results or, or what kind of activity you need to do on a daily basis uh, if, you're, if you're networking and, and, and reaching out on, on social media? You know, those metrics, right? The 100 calls, you get this return. It's, it's very easy to measure and, and manage. I, I guess the, the metrics for activity-based, what you need to do activity-based to get the results you need is a little bit grayer uh, in, in this method. Yeah. So uh, with regard to activity based, build, you know, when you see that people are responding, when you see that you're able to form relationships, when you're uh, networking, essentially, you know, building those relationships, it's helping to spur the team into wanting to prospect more because you're getting a return. It's not just again, you're not just making a phone call, uh, no identity, no relationship. It's uh, it's like a conversation like we're having right now. You know, uh, it's uh, less awkward, less cold, more warm, more, uh, I guess you could say it's more professional because we're able to converse like two individuals. Uh, we're able to uh, build a relationship and familiarity with each other. And that's, again, really helping the prospecting team to grow and want to grow and to continue prospecting. It definitely is. Uh, Emmanuel, th thanks so much for, for joining us today. How does, uh, how does our audience reach out and connect with you on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, whatever is out there? So the best way would probably be to, uh, or it is, to reach out to me uh, via LinkedIn, Emmanuel Petrescu. Uh, just reach out to me, connect with me, shoot me a message, and we can go from there. Uh, you can also visit us at www.barstaralliance.com for further information. But again, LinkedIn is probably the best way to get in touch with us. We're very active. All of our agents are very active. And uh, yeah, I look forward to continuing the conversation on there, getting to know you and uh, yeah, growing and prospecting and making sales in this new environment. Perfect. Thank you so much again for your time. And we're connected, but we'll start engaging. Throw me over some some good groups to, to, to join, and I'll join those and, and, and get in there and mix it about a little bit. Will do. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate your time. You bet. Thanks, Emmanuel. Take care. You bet. There we go. So a new way to, to prospect. And, and prospecting is the lifeblood. Uh, Brent Orsuga, uh, I shared an Uber with him. 
uh, back from TIA, San Diego, to the airport. And, uh, and I'll never forget, he was on the show a couple years ago. We'll have him back on very soon. His activity and attitude as a salesperson are the only two things you really control. You can't control any of the results, per se. You know, there's going to be bad breaks and good breaks, but attitude and activity, if you come in with a great attitude, do a lot of activity, good things will happen. You're, putting, you're, you're setting yourself up for luck. So you make your own luck. And another way to make your own luck is to join us next week, Monday and Tuesday, May 9th and 10th in Northwest Arkansas. It's the future of supply chain. We have an array of great technology companies that are going to fly in. They're going to do live demos, seven minutes on stage. And this, this is really fun. Seven minutes on stage at 7.00. Lights shut off. Microphone shuts off. You got to do no PowerPoint. You got to demo your tech. It's always great. Uh, JB Hunt will be out there uh, as well as a number of different companies. Uh, I have a couple of fireside chats, Ben Gordon being one of those with Cambridge Capital and also Mr. Bill Driegert from Uber Freight. And then we'll do put that coffee down as well. So come out. If you haven't bought your ticket yet, you can still buy tickets. You can still get your plane ticket. You can still meet us out there. And until then, I'll see everyone in Arkansas. I got friends only wanna talk business. I got expenses to win these expenses. I got expenses to win these expenses. Mets will come back and win two out of three.